Synced. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Did you feel it sink up? Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it slid in right there. Oh, perfect. You're welcome, dude. Nice work, Noah. Good yeah. job. <laughs> Sweet. Lord, thank you. Uh, Lord, be with us as we read. You just want to start in? Uh, I'll give a little, hey guys, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, this has been a blessing to us. Sorry that we're late this week. This is going to be Tozer Thursday. Uh, and it would have been Tozer Wednesday, but you know, we just wanted to stick with the day of the week that started with a T, you know, that would have been way weird, you know, we could have done it today. Uh, that is every day that is today. Tozer today. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we really love this book. Uh, because we really love the God that it's talking about and the God that it's pushing us into loving. And so uh, we're going to be in chapter five today. If you are just now joining us, uh, it really is a short enough book that you can you can catch up with us. And so chapter five, uh, we're going to read through it and then we will uh, then we will reflect on uh, what the what the chapter says and kind of on how it's changing our own lives. Uh, Kevin will put a a time. In post, we'll put a time that you can fast forward to if you've already read it and you just want to hear our processing of it. You don't and want to yeah. hear us. And the time's going to be it. right now. Beep, bloop, blah, bloop, beep, bloop. 2255. That's the time. That was it. Okay. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> Sweet. So I'm going to start in on chapter five of The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. The universal presence is what it's called. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Psalm 139, verse 7. In all Christian teaching, certain basic truths are found, hidden at times, and rather assumed than asserted, but necessary to all truth as the primary colors are found in and necessary to the finished painting. Such a truth is the divine eminence. God dwells in his, his creation and is everywhere, invisibly present in all his works. This is boldly taught by prophet and apostle and is accepted by Christian theology generally. That is, it appears in the books, but for some reason it has not sunk into the average Christian's heart so as to become a part of his believing self. Christian teachers shy away from its full implications and if they mention it at all, mute it down till it has little meaning. I would guess the reason for this is to, is, uh, to be the fear of being charged with pantheism. But the doctrine of the divine presence is definitely not pantheism. Pantheism's error is too pal- uh, palpable to deceive anyone. It is that God is the sum of all created things. Nature and God are one, so that whoever touches a leaf or a stone touches God. That is, of course, to degrade the glory of the incorruptible deity and in an effort to make all things divine, banish all divinity from the world entirely. The world, or the truth is, that while God dwells in his world, he is separated by, uh, from it by a gulf forever impassable. However closely he may be identified with the work of his hands, they are and must eternally be other than he. He is and must be uh, antecedent to the independent, uh, uh, to and independent of them. He is transcendent above all his works, even while he is imminent within them. What now does the divine eminence mean in direct Christian experience? 
It means simply that God is here. Amen. Wherever we are, God is here. There is no place, there can be no place uh, where he is not. 10 million intelligences standing at, uh, standing at as many points in space and separated by incomprehensible distances can each one say with equal truth, God is here. No point is nearer to God than any other point. It is exactly as near to God from any place as it is from any other place. No one is in mere distance any further from or any nearer to God than any other person is. These are truths believed by every uh, instructed Christian. It remains for us to think on them and pray over them until they begin to glow within us. In the beginning, God. No matter, uh, not matter, for matter is not self-causing. It requires an uh, antecedent cause. And God is that cause. Not law, for law is but a name for those, uh, for the course which all creation follows. That course had to be planned, and the planner is God. Not mind, for mind also is a created thing that must have a creator back of it. In the beginning, God, the uncaused cause of, of matter, mind, and law. There we must begin. Adam sinned and in his panic frantically tried to do the impossible. He'd hi he tried to hide from the presence of God. David also must have had wild thoughts of trying to escape from God's presence. For he wrote, Where shall I go from thy spirit? Or where shall I flee from thy presence? Then he, pro uh, then he proceeded through one of his most beautiful psalms to celebrate the glory of the divine eminence. If I ascend into the heavens, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. And he knew that God's being and God's seeing are the same, and that the seeing presence had been with him even before he was born, watching the mystery, watching the mystery of unfolding life. Solomon exclaimed, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heavens the heavens of the heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built. Paul assured the Athenians that God is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Did I mess something up in the last paragraph? No. Oh, okay. You guys were Something just cracked Noah up. I have no idea what it is. Okay, I didn't know if I like... <laughs> Sorry. Didn't know if we needed to amend my reading. I forgot the camera was on, and I wanted to know if my mouth would go over this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it. And so uh, I started thinking about how I was being recorded. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In Him we live and move and have our being. Amen. <laughs> if God is present at every point in space, if we cannot go where He is not, cannot even convenience of a place, or conceive, can, cannot even conceive of a place where He is not, why then has not the presence become the one universally celebrated fact of the world? The patriarch Jacob, in, in the waste hallowing wilderness, gave the answer to that question. He saw a vision of God and cried out in wonder, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Hmm. 
Jacob had never been for one small division of a moment outside the circle of that all-pervading presence, but he knew it not. That was his trouble, and it is ours. Men do not know that God is here. What a difference it would make if they knew. The presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. There can be one without the other. God is here when we are wholly unaware of it. He is manifest only when and as we are aware of his presence. In our part, there must be surrender to the Spirit of God. For his work, it is, uh, for his work it is to show us the Father and the Son. If we cooperate with him in loving obedience, God will manifest himself to us, and that manifestation will be the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life of radiance, uh, and a life radiant with the light of his face. Mm-hmm. Always, everywhere, God is present, and always he seeks to reveal himself. To each one, he would reveal not only that he is, but what he is as well. He did not have to be persuaded to reveal himself to Moses. And Lord descended in a cloud and was with him there proclaiming the name of I Am. He not only made a verbal proclamation of his nature, but he also revealed his very self to Moses so that the skin of Moses' face shone with the supernatural light. It will be a great moment for some of us when we begin to believe that God's promise of self-revelation is literally true that he promised much, but he promised no more than he intends to fulfill. Mm. Let's go. Our pursuit of God is successful just because he is forever seeking to manifest himself to us. The revelation of God to any man is not God coming from a distance upon a time to pay a brief and momentous visit to the man's soul. Thus, to think of it is to misunderstand it all. The approach of God to the soul or of the soul to God, is not to be thought of in spatial terms at all. There is no idea of physical distance involved in the concept. It is not a matter of miles, but of experience. To speak of being near to or far from God is to use language in a sense always understood when we when applied to our ordinary human relationships. A man may say, I feel that my son is coming near to me as he gets older, and yet that son has lived by his father's side since he was born and has never been away from home more than a day or so in his entire life. What, then, can the father mean? Obviously, he is speaking of experience. That means that the boy is coming to know him more intimately and with deeper understanding, that the barriers of thought and feeling between the two are disappearing disappearing that father that father and son are becoming more closely united in mind and heart so when we sing draw me nearer nearer blessed lord we are not thinking of the near, nearness of place but of the nearness of relationship it is for increasing degrees of of awareness that we pray for a more perfect consciousness of the divine presence we need never shout across the spaces to an absent god he is nearer than our own soul closer than our most secret thoughts why do some persons find god in a way that others do not why does god not manifest his presence to some and let multitudes of others struggle along in the half light of imperfect christian experience Of course the will of God is the same for all. He has no favorites within his household. 
All he has ever done for any of his children, he will do for all of his children. The difference lies not with God, but with us. Pick at random a score of great saints who, whose lives and testimonies are widely known. Let them be Bible characters or well-known Christians of post-biblical times. You will be struck instantly with the fact that the saints were not alike. Sometimes the unlikeliness or the un yeah the unlikeness were so great as to be positively glaring. How different, for example, was Moses from Isaiah? How different was Elijah from David? Unlike, how unlike each other were John and Paul, St. Francis and Luther, Finney and Thomas Akempis? The differences are as wide as human life itself. Differences of race, nationality, education, temperament, habit, and personal qualities. Yet, they all walked, each in his day, upon a high road of spiritual living, far above the common way. Their differences must have been incidental, and in the eyes of God of no significance. In some vital way, they must have been alike. But what was it? I venture to suggest that the only one vital quality which they had in common was spiritual receptivity. Something in them was open to heaven, something which urged them Godward. Without attempting anything like a profound analysis, I shall say simply that they had spiritual awareness and that they went on to cultivate it until it became the biggest thing in their lives. Wow. They differed from the average person and that when they felt the inward longing, they did something about it. They acquired the lifelong habit of spiritual response. They were not disobedient to the heavenly vision. As David put it neatly, when thou saidst, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. As with everything good in human life, back of this receptivity is God. The sovereignty of God is here and is felt even by those who have not placed particular stress upon it theologically. The pious Michelangelo confessed this in a sonnet. My unassisted heart is barren clay, that of its native self can nothing feed. Of, of good and pious works thou art the seed, that quickens only where thou sayest it may. Unless thou show us thine own true way, no man can find it. Father, thou must lead. These words uh, will repay study as the deep and serious testimony of a great Christian. Important as it is uh, that we recognize God working in us, I would yet warn against a too great preoccupation with the thought. It is a sure road to sterile passivity. God will not hold us responsible to understand the mysteries of, uh, of election, predestination, and divine sovereignty. The best and safest way to deal with these truths is to raise our eyes to God and in the deepest reverence say, O Lord, Thou knowest. Those things belong to the deep and mysterious profound, uh, to the deep and mysterious uh, profound of God's omniscience. Prying into them may make theologians, but it will never make saints. This man's dropping bars right now. <laughs> <laughs> Receptivity is not a single thing. 
it is a it is a compound rather a blending of several elements within the soul it is an affinity for a bent toward a sympathetic response to a desire to have from this it may be gathered that it can be present in degrees that we may have a little or more or less depending upon the individual it may be increased or by exercise or destroyed by neglect it is not a sovereign and irresistible force which comes upon us as a seizure from above it is a gift of god indeed but one which we must uh, which must be recognized and cultivated as any other gift if it is to realize the purpose for which it was given Failure to see this in the case, uh, in the cause of a very serious, I'm sorry, failure to see this is the cause of a very serious breakdown in modern evangelicalism. The idea of cultivation and exercise so dear to the saints of old has now no place in our total religious picture. It is too slow, too common. We now demand glamour and fast flowing dramatic action. A generation of Christians reared among push buttons and automatic machines is impatient of slower and less direct methods of reaching their goals. Mm. We have been trying to apply machine age methods to our relations with God. We read our chapter, have our short devotions, and rush away, hoping to make up for our deep inward bankruptcy by attending another gospel meeting or listening to another thrilling story told by a religious adventurer lately returned from afar or a podcast, or a sermon. The tragic results of this spirit are all about us. Shallow lives, hollow religious philosophies, the preponderance of the element of fun in gospel meetings, the glorification of men, trust in religious externalities, quasi-religious fellowships, salesmanship methods, the mistaking of dynamic personality for the power of the Spirit. These, and such as these, are the symptoms of an evil disease, a deep and serious malady of the soul. For this great sickness that is upon us, no one person is responsible, and no Christian is wholly free from blame. We have all contributed, directly or indirectly, to this sad state of affairs. We have been too blind to see or too timid to speak out or too self-satisfied to desire anything better than the poor average diet with which others are satis appear satisfied. To put it differently, we have accepted one another's notions, copied one another's lives, and made one another's experiences the model for our own. And for a generation, the trend has been downward. Now we have reached a low place of sand and burnt wire grass, and worst of all, we have made the word of truth conform to our experience and accepted this low plain as the very pasture of the blessed. It will require a determined heart and more than a little courage to wrench ourselves loose from the grip of our times and return to biblical ways. But it can be done. Every now and then in the past, Christians have had to do it. History has recorded several large-scale returns led by such men as St. Francis, Martin Luther, and George Fox. Unfortunately, there seems to be no Luther or Fox on the horizon at present. Whether or not another such return may be expected before the coming of Christ, 
is a question upon which Christians are not fully agreed, but that is not too great. Uh, but that is not of great importance to us now. What God, uh, what God in His sovereignty may yet do on a worldwide scale, I do not claim to know. But what He will do for the plain man or woman who seeks His face, I believe I do know and can tell others. Let any man turn to God in earnest. Let him become an exercise. Let him begin to exercise himself unto godliness. Let him seek to develop his power of spiritual receptivity by trust and obedience and humility, and the results will exceed anything he may have hoped in his uh, leaner and weaker days. Any man who, by repentance and a sincere return to God, will break himself out of the mold in which he has been held and will go uh, to the Bible itself for his spiritual standards, will begin to delight with what he finds there. Let us say it again. The universal presence is a fact. God is here. The whole universe is alive with his life, and he is no strange or foreign God, but the familiar Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose love has for, the thousands, for thousands of years enfolded the sinful race of men, and always he is trying to get our attention, to reveal himself to us to communicate with us. We have within us the ability to know him if we will be, uh, if we will but respond to his overtures. And this will call, uh, and this we call pursuing God. We will know him in increasing degree as our receptivity becomes more perfect by faith and love and practice. O oh God and Father, I repent of my sinful... Yeah, I cut that. <laughs> Sorry. O oh God and Father, I repent of my sinful preoccupation with visible things. The world has been too much with me. Thou hast been here, and I knew it not. I have been blind to thy presence. Open my eyes, that I may behold thee in and around me. For Christ's sake, amen. 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 Couple Dang. cuts in there, probably. Dang. I was sitting here. Yeah. Let's uh, let's do. No, you're fine, man. It's totally fine. Let's do um, some initial responses, and then we'll do like general feedback. Like, just how did that strike you immediately? Okay. I'll say for me, uh, again, conviction. This is hard to read any of these chapters without. Conviction. I think Tozer does such a good job of just calling stuff out, you know. Uh, He really calls out, like, he's like, the part where I was like, this man's dropping bars, you know, like, where he's Mm -hmm. basically saying, like, you can study all of the, all of the highfalutin, you know, he didn't use that term, but it's still an old person term, so I'm going to use it. You can study kind of all the highfalutin uh, theological, uh, like, opinions on predestination yep. and all this different stuff but he's saying like that'll make good theologians uh but it, it won't make saints it won't make saints yeah uh and i think i think man we've got to hear that you know like all of that has its place and we certainly should pursue god with our minds uh but there's something that he's calling us into here that's like 
is something a lot deeper. That's like, will you actually go in and be with God and experience God? And I know it echoes some of his previous chapters in a way, um, but I feel like this is just building on it uh, in a really big way. What are y'all's initial? I think, I think the thing that strikes me, yeah, I think the thing that strikes me is whenever he's talking about how uh, that how every man like it doesn't matter if you're Martin Luther or uh, or or Paul or like any 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 other person who has has been like receptive to the Spirit uh, like it it doesn't matter like. It didn't matter who's who because God doesn't like pick favorites, mm-hmm. and that um, that that the, what was in, what was in common between all of them, and like and like thank God that they were uncommon because that is like mm-hmm. what it actually ends up showing God's glory and how He would connect differently to to different people and reveal Himself differently to different people. Uh, so praise God for that. But like the one thing in common that made them all saints, that made them all actually memorable, that made them uh, have cathedrals named after them and have movements named after them um, or like whole branches of the church, like millions of people that now claim their name in their like, like I'm, I am Lutheran because like, you know what I mean? Like they are like super important because of the way that they found something so deep about God in their spiritual receptivity. And like, personally, I'm super convicted and like, cause, cause I sit here and I, I get around, I get around people that I really look up to cause we, we're in a discipleship culture. And so I'm always, the gears are always turning and I'm always looking around and seeing other people. And even spiritually, I'm playing this like comparison game sometimes that, that is like, well, well, this person, like they're more spiritually receptive or they're, they, they hear something from God and I interact with it like, like they're, they're a Levitical priest in the temple and I'm on the outside still sometimes. And like, like I need to, uh, yeah. like, like I need to go to them sometimes. Like that's something other than, like they have yeah, that exactly. and you're thinking of it as if it's something that you can't have. Yes. And probably, probably it's not a, a conscious thought like if you were to think about it, your theology is this. Like, yeah, every man can. Yes. But what he's saying is, yeah, of course everybody has that theology. What he's saying is no one acts like it, though. Yeah. No it's, one acts like every man can. Yes. Like we all wear yeah. around and we, we mold our, our lives off of other men uh, when we could go in mm. ourselves. Right. And so I'm sitting here reading this going, like, <laughs> the irony is that I'm sitting here going like, Oh God, surely you were in this place and I knew it not. Like mm. this whole time. Like why didn't <laughs> there he is. Phone call. <laughs> yeah, like this whole time I've I've been like legitimately ignorant and like just like why didn't I remember that? Like I wish I would have remembered, but you know, thank God for the reminder. Like and and it's just like, oh yeah, like snap back to reality. God, you're here with me and Everything that Pierce hears or my dad hears or this guy that was in my D group, uh, all the stuff that they hear from the Lord that's like deep and how God's like changing their lives and like teaching them deep things like, oh, yeah, that's available to me. And and I just have to focus Mm -hmm. on like, 
he has to be like the central universal presence in my life that I'm concerned about, you know? So mm. it's a good reminder. That's my initial mm. thoughts. It's good. Yeah. For me, I think, um, reading through it this time, uh, yeah, I think sometimes the initial response, just like, and whenever I hear like, God's omnipresence, like he's everywhere and you can't escape him. There's something a little scary about that. <laughs> no doubt. About like, oh, you mean like everything is seen by him. Hmm. Is there something a little scary about that? But then, hmm. uh, but after like reading the whole chapter, I really like what he says in this last, uh, the last paragraph um, before his prayer. The universal presence is a fact. God is here. The whole universe is alive with his life, and there is no strain and he is no stranger foreign God, but the familiar father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose love has for these thousands of years enfolded the sinful race of men, and always he is trying to get our attention, to reveal himself to us and to communicate with us. Uh, we have within us the ability to know him if we will but respond to his overtures. Um, yeah, and so just like the realization that like there is no spatial like yeah. gap. There yes. is no, like he, all I have to do is just click in. Yes. You know, like mm. he's always available. Yes, and he says like right after this, he says, and this we call mm. pursuing God. And so like it's almost like the name of the I, I feel like he's thinking like, oh, the name of the book's wrong. Like, this isn't even the way it works. Because he says like, pursuing God is only responding to his res pursuit of us. That for mm -hmm. all this time, yes. he's been pursuing us. And all we have yeah. to do is recognize it and interact with him. Yes. I, I, I don't know. I just think it, there's got to be this moment in there where he's like, it there is that play on words that is like we're we're actually not pursuing him all that much. Yeah, like he's done all the work for, for us. Sure, for sure, so. for sure. He literally died to to close to cover the ground between us, uh, to close that gap between us. He literally gave himself for it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. He 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 came down out of heaven to pursue us. Mm. Uh, this honestly makes me think a little bit about big questions too, mm. uh, like big life questions of like. It's so like today, uh, what's the date? It's May 6th, 6th I think. May 7th. 7th. Uh, so today I was reading some stuff about uh, this guy who got shot. It was an innocent guy, mm. uh, got shot. He was just jogging down the street. Um, lots of just injustice happening there. And like, uh, and it was a racial thing. It was a black guy who was jogging. It was a couple mm. of white men who shot him. They're mm. saying, we thought that you were stealing stuff in our neighborhood. Uh, I honestly didn't, didn't follow it super hard. So I don't know how it's all playing out, but I think that like, as it stands now, there hasn't been any judicial repercussion for those men. I, mm. I, I don't think it's going to, it's going to end there. I think that there will be, wow. but it made me start thinking like, man, God, like, look at our world. And honestly, like, my thought was, uh, this is terrible, uh, was my initial, you know, and, like, I just thought about uh, what if somebody that I knew was the man who was shot, what if I was the man who was shot, uh, and then also just thought, I'm honestly not surprised, though, you know, like, mm -hmm. knowing the fallen world that we live in, seeing seeing the stuff that we see happen all the time, uh, that whether it's whether it's racial or not, you know, 
like in this case, it just seems like it was a racial thing. But the truth is, whether it's racial or not, all around the world, there are, there are men doing terrible things to each other and women doing terrible things to each other, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, like, it got me just thinking on the – I was literally on the drive to this podcast thinking, like, God, like, why do you just let us do this? <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. like um, – and we don't have enough time to get into the real big picture of it. Uh, but there's something in this that is God, God, he, 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 he puts himself out and awaits a response from us and gives us genuine choice. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And yes. like, uh, and says like in, in our pursuit of him, he's like, he's like, what will you choose to do? And whatever you choose will have real repercussion, you know? Yes. And so these choices that we're making all around the world and the way that the three of us choose to treat people have real repercussion. And we may never go out and murder somebody. Uh, but, but the other things that we do that are in that vein will have real, real repercussion. Yeah. If we hold people's sins against them, if we choose to hate people, yeah. uh, if we choose to, if we choose to not give grace, uh, there's lots of other things that we could be certainly guilty of. They have real repercussion, and in that in that direction of bad, right? Yes. Well, here's what's cool about what what Tozer's trying to tell us. The opposite is also true. That that if we will stop and if we will recognize that God is right here with me, and and I will engage in some some spiritual discipline, I will engage in Him as if He were really there. It'll have real genuine repercussion that will that will really and genuinely grow me near to the Lord. Mm. Uh, and it's not like I have to wait on someone else to do it. Uh, it's right here with me. So this stuff has has gotten me thinking about uh, big picture stuff. Um, that we like you know I opened up a kind of a question of why do bad things happen. Uh, in general, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm. Uh, I don't think we have enough time to cover that question, uh, but but that's kind of where my mind has gone with it. You know, knee jerk yeah. reaction. It certainly hits the. I, I I think what it would just remind me then is that, like, because Tozer ends up saying, early on, his presence and his manifest presence are two. Two similar things, but not the same thing and that his manifest presence is due to our interaction with him and that like he he that like he's saying this whole time that he is available and what would it be like if every if every man interacted with God as though he were right there what if every man did like that certainly wouldn't have happened i don't think uh you know and so yeah it's definitely like that that just reminds me it's like i i want you you said like none of us are going to go and kill anyone but like man i've been angry most likely yeah right i i mean i'm not planning on it uh but i've certainly been angry and like if i if i believe jesus's words are true then then i've murdered lots of people mm-hmm. you know and so if you hate your brother yeah if yeah. you if you so much as hate your brother then you've already committed murder and so like in in front of the Lord, like I don't want to be guilty of any of any of it, and so, like, I I mean, I was even talking to you yesterday, and like, saying like, as just about another conviction of like, defending ourselves, and like, even I don't have to go over that whole conversation, but it was like just a reminder of conviction. It was a reminder of oh yeah, this is something God showed me one time in an intimate way with the Spirit. How could I have like how could I have forgotten this? And then just like thinking the rest of the day about like, Lord, like 
I want to remember you. Mm. I, yes. Holy Spirit, I don't want to get so caught up in my ways. Uh, I repent of my sinful preoccupation with visible things. The world has been too much for me. Thou has been here and I knew it not. I've been blind to thy presence. Open my eyes that I may behold thee. This is just really timely, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, no doubt. Amen. So do we want to take a break and then come back and do general? Yeah. Stay tuned. Well, we'll, we'll be back. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably about five seconds. <laughs> Music, right? Yeah. Well, uh, we're back from our break. Um... I feel like the, the the atmosphere may be a little different this time through because we had a good break. <laughs> We're laughing a lot. Yeah, but we love our bros. And everyone knows that you can't laugh and talk about God. So yeah, God's trying to keep God, that under control. Get serious. This is a very serious <laughs> matter. No one's. I know you're smiling as you listen. Stop smiling. No smiles allowed. Jeez. Yeah. So. Uh, Again, we were we were kind of all discussing how this chapter, just like the rest of them, is is punching real places in our lives uh, and kind of hitting us in real places that we know that we need uh, that we need to deal with. We need to repent of to actually draw near to God in the way that He's given us the ability to. Um, something that Noah uh, was trying to explain last time that we even we kind of came to a better explanation of during the little break. Um, was about how he could have he could have named the book something different um, because he was pointing out how Tozer said uh, Tozer said that really it's not so much the the thing that we call the our pursuit of God is actually just us responding to God is us responding to His pursuit of us and then it nailed us it hit us like a ton of bricks we were like oh. His title actually could be applicable for both of those, that the pursuit of God could be God's pursuit, the pursuit of God. Like, so it's describing this is the way that God pursues us, or the pursuit of God could be man's pursuit of God. And that's how I've always viewed it as the second one. Like the pursuit of God is trying to tell me about how I, as a person, am able to pursue God, but really it could describe both of those. And Tozer probably chose that on purpose because he's a big brain man. Yeah, he's got some galaxy brain stuff going on for sure. Hmm. Yeah, and yeah, and so just expounding on that is that God is available. Amen. He is always there. And like if you had to call him to get a hold of him, he wouldn't be like me. He would always answer. Amen. And like the truth is that we're not even on. We don't have to dial him. Like it's like we're just always just, on a phone call. I just want to say him. I looked around the room and all three of us. <laughs> we may be the worst. <laughs> we may be the worst phone users in Chi yeah. Alpha. In my, all of Chi Alpha. No my doubt. excuse is only because my phone dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even have that excuse. My excuse is just that I'm like willy dilly dilly, and then I like look at it and throw it around and don't even. Oh, your yeah, phone yeah. actually died. Then why did it ring? Before it went to voicemail, oh, Kevin. explain oh, okay. that, Kevin. <laughs> explain that, big brain. Not only did my phone die, I'm also a liar. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, the truth died with That's my phone. That's so funny. Yeah, so, yeah, but God's not like that. 
that anytime that the, the word says, and, and so Tozer references Acts 17, which is one of my favorite uh, chapters. I, I think I say that every time I reference a chapter, I'll say this is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And yeah. I know that it's going to lose its meaning if I keep doing that. <laughs> but every time I think about these chapters, I'm like, oh, that's such a good one. Yeah. You know, like Tozer, it's my favorite. Tozer. It's from a real place, you know. Tozer references this book. It also happens to be my favorite book. <laughs> it's written by like 60-something dudes. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, 66 books in it, 66 different, you know, yeah, books. whatever. All these authors. Yeah, so he references Acts chapter 17. Yeah. Uh, and this is when Paul is, is talking to the Athenians. And this is so cool because like the Athenians, a lot of times the, the people that Jesus is talking to, and that Paul is talking to they're Jewish people, and so you've you, there's all this subcontext that you've you've kind of got to make yourself aware of to really understand what they're saying because there's all this assumed knowledge of the Jewish what way in the Jewish scriptures. But when Paul's talking to the Athenians, I feel like it's something that that we can take and apply really really mm. more directly because we like the Athenians are Gentiles, mm. and even our our whole education system is based on a lot of Greek thought and Greek reasoning, right? Mm-hmm. Just like this is what they were doing. They were in the Areopagus is what it says in Athens, always kind of reasoning and going on and on and talking mm-hmm. about all this stuff. And so Paul walks through Athens. He sees all these different idols. And he, the, the Acts 17 says that he sees one with an inscription that says to an unknown God. And off of this one inscription, Paul gets up and with the power of the Holy Spirit, like goes into this whole monologue and this whole speech where he just presents the gospel in a beautiful way. It's pretty dang cool. And part of what he says there is he's like, he's like, God is not served by human hands. He's not someone who needs a temple. He, he doesn't need anything from us. Your, your, your word says, uh, as your words say, we are his offspring. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. Uh, he, he, it says that he, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping the gun on that verse. Before it says that verse, it says that God appointed the times and the places of each man, mm-hmm. that he marked the boundaries of their territories and the times in which they lived so that, so they would, they would reach out and take hold of him yes. or that they would grasp him. Mm-hmm. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite chapters in the world, in the universe, Kevin, <laughs> ever. That's your favorite. It's the one. <laughs> and uh, I love it, though, because, like, it, yeah. it highlights this thing that Tozer's trying to get us to see that, like, I don't doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what kind of what kind yeah. of uh, family you come from, if you come from a religious background or not. It doesn't matter if you think that you've done too much, you're too shameful, that you've, you've went off and lived too sinful of a lifestyle. None of that. He is not far from any one of us. Do you have breath in your lungs? Mm. Are, your, are, are your atoms being held together? The, the atoms that make up your body, are they being held together? Yeah. It, do you exist? <laughs> yeah. Well, guess, guess what? The one who created you, it's, it's by him that you live and move and have your being. Without him, none of that would be happening. Yeah. And so whether you realize it or not, he is right there. He is not far from any one of us. Mm. All you have to do is open your eyes and see. All you have to do is try and put your attention on him. Tozer says that God is made manifest when we recognize him. Mm-hmm. Like that, that word manifest is really just our recognition of him, that he's always there, yeah. mm-hmm. but we describe it as manifest because we actually saw it. Yeah. 
you know? And so like, he is not far. And so any one of us can, can reach out. I was hearing a man that I respect one time. His name's Kirk Hall. Shout out Kirk Hall, Houston, Texas. Whoop, whoop. Uh, he, yeah. So, uh, his name's Kirk Hall. He was talking about this when I was probably about 14 years old and he was, he was saying it like this. He was like, you can run away from God. But, and you think that he's far, but all you have to do, it's like he's right there the whole time and you're out here saying, God, where are you? God, where are you? And all you have to do is just turn around and there he is, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really, I really think that that's, that's part of what I'm trying to take away from this is that uh, theologically, of course, I believe that. But do I live every moment of my day like that? Mm. I'll wait for God's more manifest presence to be there when I'm praying or when I'm uh, reading the Bible or when I'm with other Christians or when I'm in a worship service. I'll wait for God's more manifest presence to be there. But God's presence is right here all the time. And mm-hmm. I, can, I can interact with it as manifest right now if I will so choose. He's not yeah. far. Yeah. But so if God's everywhere all the time and he's, and he's in, in all things and sustains all things, like... That actually sounds like, that actually sounds, sorry, I'm not talking to the microphone real well. Uh, that actually sounds a lot like um, some Eastern religions. That actually sounds a lot like, well, you know, not, Hinduism. So. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I'm trying to get to yeah, is yeah. that no, I know he, makes a, he makes a, a clear distinction that like. Between that and pantheism. Yeah. And, and that like, that there's an error, like God is not the sum of all created things like that, that. The biblical understanding is that that God yeah. sustains all of it and mm. that he created all of it and that he was antecedent of it. Yes. What I want to highlight, though, and this is the way that I have interacted with, and I know a lot of people have struggled to interact with boy. the Lord. Get out the highlighter. That, yeah, mine's, my highlighter's yellow. Okay. So I hope you're ready for that. <laughs> Stupid joke. <laughs> okay. Uh, what I want to say is that a lot of people interact with God in a pantheistic like I- idea that they have to go to a certain place. Or, oh, yeah. or if I need to connect with the spirit of the tree, then I need to go to the tree. If I want to connect with the river, then I need to go to the river. If I want to like like if I want to like breathe in the, the mountain air, like if you go to India, like people will go to certain places to interact with this God of power or this God of mm-hmm. whatever. And and like study any Eastern religion and there's like shrines and certain pilgrimages, places that you have to go to. Yeah. Go to your prayer closet, go to church on Sunday, go to, uh, SoundCloud and click on Kyle for Arkansas tech. Like yeah. you have to go to these certain places and do these certain things in order to interact with the father. And that is so far from the actual truth. And like we, like we would benefit greatly from actually understanding his like imminent manifest presence. Hmm. Let me read this, this excerpt. This is on page 64 of mine. I don't think that's going to correlate with everybody else, but he says, why do some persons quote unquote, find God in a way that others do not? Why does God manifest his presence to some and let multiple, multitudes of others struggle along the half-light of imperfect Christian experience. Of course the will of God is the same for all, and, and he has no favorites within his household. All he has ever done for any of his children, he will do for all of his children. The difference lies not with God, but with us. Pick at random a score of great saints whose lives and testimonies are widely known. 
let them be Bible characters or well-known Christians or post of post-biblical times, you'll be struck instantly with the fact that the saints were not alike. Mm. Sometimes the unlikenesses were so great as to be positively glaring. How different, for example, was Moses from Isaiah? How different was Elijah from David? How unlike each other were John and Paul, St. Francis and Luther, Finney and Thomas Akempis? The differences are as wide as human life itself. Differences of race, nationality, nationality, education, <laughs> temperament, habit, and personal qualities. Yet, they all walked, each in his day, upon a high road of spiritual living far from the common way. Their differences must have been an incidental in the eyes of God and in the eyes of God no, of no significance. We'll get it out. In some vital quality, they must have been alike. What was it? I'll venture to suggest that that one vital quality which they had in common was spiritual receptivity. Something in them was open to heaven, something which urged them Godward. Without attempting anything like a profound analysis, I shall say simply that they had spiritual awareness and that they want they went on to cultivate it until it became the biggest thing in their lives. That part killed me. Hmm. They differed from the average person in that they and that when they felt the inward longing, they did something about it. They acquired the lifelong habit of spiritual response. They were not disobedient to the heavenly vision, as David put it neatly. When thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. I hope he didn't talk that way. Me too. No way he did. <laughs> when I read uh, Old English, King James, um, that's how I want to talk. Yeah, so I know that was a long snippet, but like that to me is a is a huge part of this. Is like the thing that sets people apart mm. is not the family they were born into, yeah. is not their race, culture. What else did he name? Uh, Social standing. Yes. Uh, man or woman, young or yeah. old, education, slave or free. personal qualities, temperament, nationality. None of that matters. Yeah. What matters is what do you do when God comes knocking? Yeah. Do you answer? Yeah. Do you respond? And how do you respond? Is it halfway? Or do you do it with everything that you have? So it sets them apart. Acts 2. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Yes. Men and women, man and woman, young or old, slave or free, African or American or... Asian, all people, you know? Yeah. Everybody has access. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my encouragement coming out of this chapter is let nothing hold you back. If you're not close to God, uh, what Tozer is saying is that it's not that God would ever hold himself from you. Whatever he's done for any man, he would do for you. If you read in the Bible and you see miracles happening in people's lives, mm. God would do that in your life and through your life. If you, if you read in the Bible and you see people interacting with God, like he is like right there, God wants to do that for you. I really believe it. What he's done for any man, he will do for every man. The thing that set those people apart is that they had a, a hard pursuit of God, that they responded to God's pursuit of them. When God knocked, they answered.
what David said, uh, I'm going to read it again just because I, I kind of made fun of it with my little voice. Uh, <laughs> let me find it again. Uh, what David said is, when thou, when thou said, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. So that's simple, but it's saying, my heart said, I will seek your face, Lord. It was his response to him. Yeah, I have one more uh, thing that I, I want to read for sure before uh, before the end of this thing. Do you guys have any 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 more to add on that or any response to that? I I can't think of anything that hasn't I, been said. Honestly, I was sitting here like kind of asking the Lord what kind of what if there was anything, and I felt like I needed to ask you, Kevin, like for like. Is there any like, all right, just go with me, I guess. Okay. Is there, is there like any specific like testimony from your life that is, uh, kind of the manifestation of this in a way that this is a, this is a place or way that, that I saw myself as like unable to interact with the presence Mm -hmm. of God and like kind of how was that barrier broken down and like when like what happened that made it finally click for you? Well, no, that's a big question. Yeah, I just, is, I just kind of. That's a big question. Um, I think really my mind always goes back to like whenever, if the question is like, when did God's presence become reality to me? Mm. My mind always, for some reason, well, it always goes back to my first trip to Africa. Uh, on my first project. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, long story short, was terrified, scared. First Sunday was like the, so that we slept. It was my first night in Africa. I've never been out of the country. Super terrified. Um, and like, had never been in any other country, let alone like an impoverished country. Uh, yeah, and then the, the second, the sec, like whenever we woke up that morning, uh, Mac Holderfield is the team leader. He said, does anyone want to uh, go away from the team and uh, and go worship away from the team with a cell church out in the zones away from the city? Mm. Everyone else is going to go into the city to the main church in Kilimani. And so everything in me said, no, don't do it. Keep your head down, stay alive, get home. Yeah. Is everything in me said that. But there was another voice in me that said, Kevin, like, you're here. Like, why not apply yourself and be here? Yeah. And I really think that voice was the Holy Spirit speaking. Because um, everything inside of me said the opposite. Yeah. Of like, keep your head down, stay alive. Because I was terrified, which for... If you're looking at going on project, do it. It really isn't as scary as I thought it was. Um, I was just making it bigger in my mind. But anyway, fast forward. I'm I've obeyed. I said I'll go. Me and Hannah Posey, we go out into the zones to worship, and out there, like I heard God speak, and He said, "Kevin, you're mine, and I keep what's mine." Man. And um, yeah. That broke me. So that's hot, dude. Um, <laughs> that's super hot. So anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think what Tozer says in the chapter even is like 
a, like steps of obedience, mm. like, um, and and to walk into it ourselves even. So yes. like, so even something so small as like, hmm. put your phone down, Kevin, and read. Yes. Like I, I've I've heard that before, and yes. a lot of times, honestly, I'm not very obedient to that. Mm, yeah. But yet, if we walk in obedience, like God makes His manifestation to us, that yes. we can hear Him, we can see Him. So, I think that's what comes to my mind whenever I get asked that question. So, Kevin, thank you so much, man. Yeah, that's, that's really good stuff. That's real. Yeah, and I think that you've already alluded to it, but but I want to highlight like, what if you wouldn't have said yes to Mac. Yeah. What if you would have kept your head down? Like you wouldn't have heard God's voice in that way. You yeah. wouldn't have heard God say to you, you're mine and I keep what's mine. Mm. And dude, that's a powerful truth right there. Yeah. You know? And like, even like what you're, what you're inviting us to, which is, Hey, you knuckleheads. <laughs> As I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it from myself is like, when you hear the voice of God, and even if it's like the still small thing in you that you're like, because when you're describing it, it's not like God dropped a golden tablet down yeah. from heaven and said, go with Mac. You know, it's like you you just heard this thing or you felt this thing that was, that seemed very different than you. All of you wanted to just keep your head down, mm-hmm. but you felt this thing that was like, no, you like, you need to go out into the zones, you know, and you went and then yeah. that's where God spoke to you, you know? And mm-hmm. so for us, when we, when we feel this thing or hear this thing that is, Pursue me, you know, from the God. Will you put your phone down and read? Will you pray with me? Will you will you will you come out uh, and get off by yourself to be with me? Yeah. What we do with that determines what kind of life we'll have. Yeah, I'm even just reminded of like how simple it is to be asked. Will you step out of your tent and look at the stars? Mm-hmm. And that's like where God spoke to Abraham. But it's really not like always big life things, but it's some it's the simple things. Kevin, you're spitting right now, bro. <laughs> spitting fire hot flames, bro. <laughs> but I'm not a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turn his left headphone up. Turn it up. <laughs> Page 65. It will be a great moment for some of us when we begin to believe that God's promise of self-revelation is literally true. Mm. That he promised much, but promised no more than he intends to fulfill. Ooh, boy. That's right after it talks about Moses' face. Shining, uh, yeah. sorry, I get a phone call. Yeah, God writes big checks, but he got big banks, baby. <laughs> how, my computer, what I don't know heck? why that's how I feel that in my heart. Every time, <laughs> every time somebody says something like that about God, it just makes yeah. me flex. Like, I'm like, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, like it's like God made a big promise, but it's it's but it's not big for him, yes, yes, I love it. And it, it was big for Moses when Moses goes to the mountain and comes down and his face is glowing. or... However the story goes, sorry, we're on air and I'm being a heretic. But like that that is the same thing that's available to us. And like you saying yes to go. Or like I can think of times in my life where I've said that inward inward urge that's like, that's not what I would have thought. Yes. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then he shows up and mm. it's good. Yeah, and there's always that call out to us. And if we will take take progressive steps to reach out and take hold of him. I really do think it is when we respond to God and we are faithful with the small, the small that he's given us of Mm -hmm. a revelation of him to respond to it. Mm -hmm. Then I think that he gives us even deeper and deeper revelation, but it starts with obedience. 
an obedient life to Jesus is a close, close life with him. Yeah. And it follows along with what he says all through his word. You know, like, if you love me, you will follow my commands. And then me and the Father, we will come and make our home with you. In John 15 or 14 or 16, one of those all the same, all red letters. Um, but that's, yeah, that, that, that call to us of like, will you, will you just obey? Will you trust me enough to actually obey me? Mm. Will you trust me like that? And then like in that trust is where, uh, is where like that deepness with the Lord is found, where he's, he's so manifest to us. Let any man turn to God in earnest. Let him begin to exercise himself unto godliness. Let him seek to develop his powers of spiritual receptivity by trust and obedience and humility. And the results will exceed anything he may have hoped in his leaner and weaker days. Any man who by repentance and a sincere return to God will break himself out of the mold in which he has been held and will go to the Bible itself for his spiritual standards will be delighted with what he finds there. Thank you, God. Yeah, what mold is holding us? You know, like, what have we, is it a religious mold? It is, a, is it a worldly mold? Uh, is it even, so like for us within Chi Alpha, like are we basing our, our, our pursuit of God uh, off of a mold that we've been given? Like there's some really good examples, like what Noah was saying, there's some great examples that have gone before us that we have, we're a discipleship culture. And so there's so many people around that I can look at and, and get so much deep encouragement from the way that they pursue God. Mm-hmm but I want to go straight to the word for, for, for my, uh, like for my, basically to make my mold, to make what I want to set my, set my life off of. I want to go straight to Jesus himself. And what, what Tozer's saying is like, you'll be delighted in what you'll find and it'll, it'll exceed any expectation that you had. Uh, it's the, it's the best kind of life. Thank you, Lord. I think, I think a, a, I think a common mold, like you know, we were talking to a buddy yesterday, and he's just like telling us why he's ended up where he's at, and like a big one for a lot of people in Chi Alpha is like, what am I, what am I doing after college? And the Christian thing is for me like, I've been more heavily involved in ministry than I have in my entire life at this point. So I have to do ministry in some way. And so I have to like keep up with people's expectations. And like we just heard yesterday from from a friend uh, that, I don't know, probably shouldn't say his name here, but like that he chose not to do the internship because he like sensed that the Lord was closing doors. And like now looking back on like what God was doing and like where he's, he's like, getting married soon and like the Lord is setting him up for so much victory and influence in the marketplace where like he wouldn't have had those opportunities had he just like given into the pressures of doing ministry and had he just chosen to, well, I'm going to do the internship because I'm supposed to do the internship because that's what Chi Chi Alpha kids do. Like his calling would not have been pure because he would have just been, been like, 
doing what the Lord wanted. I'm doing air quotes, doing what the Lord wanted, but he's actually just doing kind of what the culture around him does. Yes. And so now he's getting to interact with calling in such a pure way and trusting the Lord. God, if you want me to actually go into a real real ministry role later on, it's going to be such a pure thing. Yeah. And so there's yeah, his, a lot of expectation. His, his specific words were, Chi Alpha is where God had changed my life in such deep ways. And anytime I had been away from it, I'd been far from God. Mm. So he said, I was scared of who I would be apart from Chi Alpha. Mm. And that's why I was like, that's, he was saying, that's why I thought I had yeah. to do the internship, but he didn't, he didn't feel like a specific calling towards campus ministry. Yeah. He was just like, I'm scared of who I'll be apart from this. And so, uh, it was insightful, you know, and, yeah. but he said that like getting apart from Chi Alpha, well, guess what? He was like, well, it sucked the first few months, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I fell back into old stuff, but then something clicked for him where he was like, awesome. I don't want this old life for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I want to pursue God. And he started to do it. And he found community in the place where he is. Uh, that's yeah. that. Yeah. He found community and, and he's pursuing God in a healthy way. Yeah. And then and, God was his foundation and not like yes. the organization yes. he was Amen. a part of. Absolutely. Amen. And, and even he said, like, he's saying like, really, I haven't even closed the door on like yeah. internship ministry stuff. Uh, because like, I think maybe that is something God could be calling me to, but he's saying like, He's saying, but I feel like now all of it's been purified for me, mm. uh, because like now it's uh, I would be doing it because of obedience to God, not out of fear of who I would be apart from this organization. Yes, yeah. He has a real solid foundation that's now, awesome. which that's awesome. It's also insightful, mm-hmm. and I th- I'm glad Noah brought, brings it up because like I really want anyone who comes out of us to have their foundation to be in God, mm. not to be in the organization of Chi Alpha. Nobody, nobody joins Chi Alpha because of the quote-unquote organization of it because yeah. they, they feel the family of it, the people here. And, and sometimes love. and sometimes it's not very organized. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Nobody joins the disorganization of Chi Alpha. <laughs> we should call our, start calling ourselves a disorganization. Amen. So, but but everybody everybody feels... feels <laughs> Amen. RS, RSD instead of RSO. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so nobody joins it uh, because it's an organization, because mm. of the name of it. They, we, they join it because they, they sense family in yeah. it, you know, and they sense love in it. And so, and sometimes that becomes people's foundation for how they pursue God. Mm. And that's why when people go home over yeah. the break, they fall apart or they fall into old sin. And even yes. my prayer for people during this quarantine has been God. Will you let people find you in the realest of ways? Yes. And if their relationship with you crumbles because they're not in community, let that not be a bad thing for them. Let it be revealing to them that their foundation was built too much on others, you know, and that their foundation has to be built in the Lord and in him alone. Absolutely. He's there though. Is it? That's, that's what's amazing about it is like as much of him as you want, you can have, Mm. he's there. Reach out and take hold of him. He's not far from any one of you. You think you've screwed up too much? Well, ask Peter about that. You know, he denied Jesus three times and Jesus came and said, man, you know, you love me. Get over here and feed some sheep Yeah, <laughs> and mm-hmm. die for me too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I just, yeah, I, I want to encourage the listeners here. Uh, will you reach out and take hold of him? He's there and we let him be your foundation. Uh, and will you figure out what it means, uh, to set your mold on scripture and, and your standards of life on scripture and on him, uh, and not on any other man. Anything else to add?
Nope. Okay. I'll say this again. This chapter pulls me back to a really special place with Jesus where Jesus was stripping everything away from me other than him. Uh, Every identity that I had identified myself with uh, when I was a young believer, whether it be athletics or academics or uh, or popularity or all the things that I was worried about at the time, Jesus was stripping every one of those identities away from me. Uh, and I'm so glad that he was and showing me how empty and unimportant they were. And he's showing me how real and full he is and how real and full a life in pursuit of him is. So this is pulling me back to a really cool place. And, uh, and so I want to pray this prayer over us again that he, that he prays uh, at the end of the chapter. He says, Oh God and Father, I repent of my sinful preoccupation with visible things. The world has been too much with me. Thou hast been here, and I knew it not. I have been blind to thy presence. Open my eyes, that I might behold thee in and around me. For Christ's sake, amen. Amen. That's our prayer for ourselves and our prayer for for the listeners here. Again, it reminds me of that time, and it reminds me of the of the times that I would have with the Lord where because he stripped away all the visible things from me, uh, I had him and I was so, so, uh, satisfied by him that I didn't need any of the other stuff that I thought was important. And so that's my prayer for you is that you'd be stripped down and that you'd be satisfied in him and in him alone. You have him. We reach out and take hold of him. He's pursued you. He's given his life to have you and so will you pursue him will you give your life uh, to have him back I will (laughs) I do I do now place this ring on God's finger (laughs) (laughs) and repeat after me I already did this Mm, did you Uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding I know you did (laughs) (laughs) yeah but really like I do like my my like I was saying earlier, like I'm, I'm trying to always be here. Like I want so badly to always be here. And like, and I want, I want anybody that has the knowledge of God and of his presence to always be there. That is, man, God, you're available. What are you doing right now? And like, what are you trying to tell me right now? What do I, like, what's my response to what you're saying right now? What's my response to this, this incredible beauty around me? What's my response to these wonderful relationships that I have? Am I thankful? Am I entitled to more? Like, I always want to be aware of what God's trying to do with me and around me and through me. So, yeah. And I want to encourage people to do that too. So, yeah, I'm, I do. And that's, that's my response. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys. We pray that this has been a blessing to you. Yeah. Join us next week. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor to present to you for not the very first time, Mr. and Mr. Uh, (laughs) Yahweh, God of the universe. Noah's been married to God. He's the bride of Christ. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen.